begin in Deuteronomy chapter 8. appreciate with a uh, prayer that uh, Justin just gave her has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. We talk often about God leading us, about Jesus being our shepherd, about the Lord at work in our life, but understanding how and what God is doing is, in the, in the details of it all, sometimes is something that we miss, that we don't grasp. And so this morning as we go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's with that in mind. Last week we talked about the making of disciples, how Jesus made His disciples and all that He brought them through. To, to bring them to the point of being ready to represent Him and to be like his, like Jesus. And today we look at, for a few minutes, uh, the children of Israel. As we read this here, what God brought them through, Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And... The important thing, one of the most important things to remind yourself of when you read this passage is who is Moses talking to? Moses is not talking to the people who died in the wilderness. This is their children. This is those who are 20 or younger or were born in a time out in the wilderness. They were 20 or younger when they left Egypt. This is that generation. All the, all, the, all the rest of Israel, all of the older generation of Israel had died in the wilderness because of rebellion. So when he speaks to this generation, when he speaks to the Israelites who are about to go into to Canaan, it's those who he's addressing and what God, the, who uh, God is addressing here. Okay, we will read verses 1 to 17. Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 17. Every commandment which I command to you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall live not by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your mind, excuse me, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens us his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. 
Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, and which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of, a ro out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that you might and that he might test you to do the good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and, my, and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. God brought this generation and their parents' generation through a lot of things. It was a dry land. There was no water. It was a land where there was no food. And it was a land, of, it says, of serpents and scorpions. And God brought them through all that. And, and after 40 years, he gives them this abundant land, an abundant life. And in this abundant life, he says, watch out that you don't forget where you came from. He said, well, how could they ever, 40 years of that, 40 years is a long time. You know, 40 years, 40 years ago, I was only 24. You know, 40, 40 years is a long time. And how can for 40 years you go through all that and then forget? But yet, when prosperity came, he warned them. And it says, if you go on into the book of Joshua, it says that whole generation served the Lord. So that's an amazing thing, because you don't read that very often, that a whole generation serves the Lord. And that whole generation did. But there's something key in that, where Dave just read, it says, in verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, with which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and, and that he might test you to do you good in the end. The big picture. And you see, this is where God has one of many advantages that God has over us. 
It says in 1 Samuel is that God does not see as man sees. God sees, has vision to see the end from the very beginning, it says. He knows the end, calls the, and he calls the end from the beginning. All these prophetic words from the Old Testament through the New Testament. He calls what's going to happen in the end from the very beginning. And so we do not see like that normally until God gives us that kind of vision. And this is where trust comes in. Where we have to, you know, we, we sang a song today, Lord, I would clasp my hand, your hand in mine, forever murmur or repine. Because wherever I go, wherever I be, I know it's God's hand that leads it to me. And the meaning of some of these songs that we sang today about God leading us. And He's leading us with reason and purpose. When the children of Israel saw this manna come down from heaven, at first they were to come down from the sky. At first they were like, oh yeah, we got this food and everything. But after a while, it got to be old. Think about eating the same bread every day. For one week, two weeks, a month, a year, two years. You know, after a while, it's starts to get a little testy, you know. And everybody has their breaking point, but we know one thing, that at some point Israel had their breaking point. But God gives the reason why. He didn't tell them then. There's no, at least there's no record in the Word of God of Him telling them that then. He's talking about the reason why 40 years later. Is oh, by the way, when you were eating that manna, you know what? This is why. Verse 3, He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna with which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God making His point. Making people understand these things. It made them hunger. They were hungry. Then He gave them this food, this same food every day. It might have tasted good at first, but after a while, I mean, even if you have a food that you like, if you're eating it every day, it gets old, like I said earlier. But there was purpose behind it, and he didn't tell them. But it just goes to show you when God's leading us, he knows what he's doing, and he's smarter than us. He's a lot smarter than us. And he can see down the road where we can't see. And he has a purpose. And we will look into what that purpose is as we go down the road on this. But we can see, he says he was humbling them. And he said, when, you know, when I do all this good for you, he says, don't let your heart be lifted up and say, I got all this stuff myself. Self-sufficiency. It's in our human nature. It's in all of our human natures. You know, where we become proud of, we can become proud of ourselves. And God had to work that out of them and humble them. 
So what? I heard somebody tell me one time, why didn't God cut me a break once in a while? Because this person was overloaded with a, a series of problems. And that blinded them from all the good that God was doing in his life. That he was not suffering from hunger. His children weren't suffering from hunger like other, other people's kids in places in the world are suffering. And he didn't have to walk five miles to get a bucket of water to, for his family to drink from. A couple buckets of water. There's people that have hardships a lot different than here. Not that the hardships here aren't hardships. Not making light of each of our hardships. But, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for if we, if we you know, put ourselves in a place to see it. And you see that God... Caused them to hunger. Caused them to thirst. He brought them through the crucible, the heat of fire, the testing of their faith to these people. Because God had an end result for them. Just like he did what we talked about last week in making disciples. What everything for three and a half years that Jesus brought these, these men through, that he picked to be his disciples. And if you would have looked at it before the process was done, you would have think this discipleship process that Jesus was bringing to them was a failure. But like we just read, it says that he might test you to do you good in the end. That God has a as an end you know, a goal to everything that he's bringing us through in our life. And it makes us look, if we can understand and embrace that, it gives us a whole different viewpoint on life. And then we begin to see, as God sees, as God begins to open our eyes, we begin to see as God sees. You know, why are all these things happening to me? You know, when I was a young Christian, I used to ask myself that a lot. Before I was a Christian, I used to say that all the time and grumble and anger and frustration in life. And as a young Christian, I was still doing that. But as time goes on, I began to notice that I was saying that less and less as God was beginning to under give me understanding and also began to see that things that he was doing in my life that I didn't like were actually changing me. I was changing, not because he was twisting my arm behind my back, but he was bringing me through things that were changing me on inside and out, changing my attitudes, changing my way of life, changing my habits, changing, 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 changing into what? into his goal. And you see God's goal in everything that he did for the children of Israel. To teach them that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Doesn't matter what any church says, what any evangelist, any preacher, famous person says, 
some great writer from way back when in Christendom, it doesn't matter. It is the Word of God which is the standard by which we live by. And it is not some great preacher's interpretation or some famous man in, who, who led a denomination in Christendom. It is God Himself. And as the Holy Spirit teaches us, that we come to understand the Word of God and understand His purpose. And what does He use as the purpose in, in these, this purpose to help us understand? He uses the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and leads us and guides us. Jesus said He would guide us into all truth. He would guide us in the Word. And He said He would be our teacher. He'd be a comfort to us. He'd be our helper. To bring us through all these things. Now, most of us probably won't be in a wilderness like this for 40 years. But there are other wildernesses. <laughs> there are other places that we are tried and tested by. There are all kinds of things that God brings us through. And sometimes we literally feel like we're in a desert, in a dry place. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said, Anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that there was this rock that the children of Israel drank from, and that rock was Christ, it says. And we are called to come to Christ and to drink from him and to receive life and help and, and guidance from him as he calls us to him. But understand life. Forty years of life that these, these people had to go through. They were 20 years or younger when they left Egypt. People who Moses is speaking to here. And he says for 40 years he said I led you in the wilderness. God was leading them in the wilderness. He wasn't leading them directly to Canaan. He led them through a wilderness first before they reached Canaan. And God is leading us through this corrupt world, this wilderness, until we cross over to our eternal home that we read about in the book of Revelation this morning. That end. But there's an end that God is doing in this life too. That before we leave and go to the other side and go to be with the Lord, that the Lord is with us now and He's working out purposes to make us what He wants us to be now. He says in verse 5, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. 
He disciplines us. He was humbling and disciplining these people here for their good. And in the book of Hebrews it says that God disciplines us as believers for his, his good for what purpose? That we would be partakers of his holiness. Be partakers of his life. The Bible says that all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it tells us not to love these things. Love not the world or the things that are in this world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so God changes our hearts when we come to him. And we're converted and we, and we come to Christ and we're saved. And, and, we, and we become disciples, followers of Jesus. But in our human nature, our bodies... And in our, car, in our human minds, the Apostle Paul says, I see something else at work. And there is a direct conflict between the two. Between the world and the flesh and the devil and the leading of the Spirit of God. And these two conflicts are at work within us. There's a conflict at work within us between two different sides. And God's purpose is in bringing us through things is to bring us to the place where we are walking in His holiness, partakers of His holiness. Disciplining us, guiding us, changing us, through the circumstances of life. So from there, um, I want you to think of a few words of Jesus. Jesus says that we must forsake all. If a man is not willing to forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot follow me. He cannot be a Christian. A real Christian. Forsaking all. God brings us through things to let go. To let go of the world. To let go of the flesh. To stop listening to the influence, coming under the influence of the devil. Because we know, we, if we've been a Christian for a while, we know that we can easily fall back under that influence if we're not careful, if we're not walking carefully. Jesus said, if a man is, does not deny himself, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow after me. And we have natural resistance to that when we become a Christian. Working within us. To try to keep us from denying ourselves. And if we don't deny ourselves, we can't pick up our cross, we can't follow Jesus. So God is bringing us through a process of changing us. To bring us to the place of breaking us of our will. The will of the flesh. 
the will of our human nature. And recognizing that we have power of it. That we have died to these things. How will we who die to these things live any longer in them? But you know, like it says about the Israelites, I have seen these people, God said, they are a stiff-necked people. Stubborn. And we can be stubborn and stiff-necked too. So, God brings us through the process like He did His disciples, like He did the Israelites. And we see that in, God, in the review that God gives through Moses here. That we must learn in these things that we must live by every word that comes from God. Live by the word of God and not by our own will, not in the way of the world. Because we are heavily influenced, before we're converted especially, we are heavily influenced by these things. And there's a lot of things that God brings to our attention that have to go. And even afterwards, these influences are all around us to try to influence us to think like the world, to act like the world, to speak like the world, to dress like the world, to follow the habits of the world, the guidance of the world, the counsel of the world, to follow the influence of the media and how they try to shape our society and politics and religion, all trying to shape our thinking. Come out from among them, is God. From there we go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, I'll skip around here, so I'll just cover some of these things. Second mm -hmm. uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. Now we all, with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. That means changed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, it's our bodies, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord, that the life of Jesus also be made manifested in our mortal body, or in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In this here, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about everything that God brought them through. Hard-pressed, perplexed, 
persecuted, forsaken, struck down, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be revealed or manifested in our body. This is the goal that our Father has for each of us in this life. In the changes says here that we are being changed by the Spirit of God into the image of Jesus. Into the resemblance of Jesus. Not physical resemblance. Um, spiritual resemblance. The way we live resemblance. The way we live out our life. And you see what the Apostle said that him and his companions were going through. Hard-pressed. Perplexed. That means troubled. Persecuted. Struck down. They went through a lot. They had their own wildernesses to go through. They had their own set of circumstances to go through. So we don't think of ourselves as being unique in all of this. Because we could sit here and make lists of everything that's troubling us and bothering us and burdening us and uh, we feel press, hard-pressed about, but not crushed. Perplexed about, troubled about, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. There is purpose in God bringing us through all these things of being perplexed and being hard-pressed on every side. You know, this isn't the first time in this book that he mentions about being hard-pressed. In chapter 1 he says, We don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure about strength so that we despaired of life. Burden beyond measure. Hard pressed on every side. Same thing. He says, We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. If we can only interpret our lives the way God is telling us, we can only look at our lives the way God sees them. That this is the way He sees our life. This is the way He sees our being hard-pressed. This is the way He sees our being, being burdened beyond strength. And if we resist it, you know, the fire can get turned up. He does what He has to do. He knows, he knows what he wants us to be, and he's, he's going to do it. It is God at work in us to do, and to will with his good pleasure. That's what he's doing. And we can fight it tooth and nail. It's not going to be pretty. If we fight it. But if we understand that there is a God at work in us to humble us, and to learn... To live by every word that came from Him. To live by the Word of God. 
And if we live by, as we live by the word of God, the goal will be realized. God's purpose for our life will be realized. That he's trying to bring us to the place that we are, the life of Jesus will be revealed in us. The attitude of Jesus, the loving sacrifice of Jesus, the laying down of our lives like Jesus, the loving our enemies like Jesus, the turning of the other cheek like Jesus, the forgiving like Jesus, the forgiving those who are crucifying him like Jesus. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The kindness and the gentleness of Jesus is called the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're walking through a wilderness. And it's tough, but it's not without purpose. Because it says all things work out for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Or called according to His purpose. So, there's no need for us to be discouraged. There's no need for us to be in despair. Perplexed, but not in despair. Hard-pressed on every side. But it's not going to crush us. Persecuted, but not forsaken. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Struck down, but not destroyed. Satan is not going to have his way with us. The devil is not going to have his way. That God's purposes will not be thwarted for us. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I lead my, I, my sheep follow me. Talked about leading him, leading his sheep and then following after him. And that's what we read in Deuteronomy. I led you through the wilderness for 40 years. And I taught you and I guided you. And I brought you through some this wilderness, this dry place. And I made you, I let you hunger and I let you be thirsty. And I let you deal with serpents and snakes and scorpions. You know, I've talked about people who live in Florida and Texas and places like that. Arizona, and they talk about places, they have, they've had run-ins with scorpions and, and different animals, even alligators and stuff, that we never deal with here. You don't know what it's like to live out in a wilderness in the Middle East like that, where there's no water, and there's no food, and you survive there for 40 years. You want to talk about walking on water. And that's what God brought them to. And yet, even though God brought them through, the people who Moses was talking to, we read about today, their parents didn't get it. The ten plagues they saw in Egypt, their parents didn't get it. That God was for them. That they could take them by hand, trust them no matter what they were going through. They didn't get it. And now it's upon us today. We sang the song, He leads me. He leadeth me. He's leading me. 
We clasp it, grasping His hand, and just taking that walk of faith. You know, sometimes you see a father put out his hand for a child, and a child just reaches up and grabs it without any hesitation, and they just start walking together. And you just see there's just that trust. You know, you see that. You're not worried about where He's leading me. It doesn't matter, you know. I trust this person on whose hand I just, no problem. I just reach out and grab their hand. And that's what we have to do. We have to just really trust that God's good and He's He's on our side. He's our He's become our Father in Christ, and He's given us an inheritance to inherit His kingdom, to inherit His kingdom, to inherit His kingdom. Think about it, an inheritance. We become the rich. Children. From the one who created the universe. He hasn't spared anything, not even his son. Now he says, come to me. And he says, I'm going to bring you through some things. To humble you and to learn in all these different things. To live by my word and to trust me and to just walk hand in hand with me. These things happen to us that we will learn to trust in God and not in ourselves. The end of self-sufficiency, of pride, of doing it on our own. God wants to do away with that. Trusting in ourselves for salvation, trusting in ourselves um, in our own strength as we go through this wilderness. Bringing us to the end of that and changing us you see Jesus in that day-to-day -day trust in his Father. Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. Trust. No doubt. That's what he's bringing us through. I'm going to stop here and we'll leave a few brothers to...